Mike and Diana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Diana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode 8 of Survivor Edge of Extinction. Hey everybody, Mike Bloom here with a panel that is not for the faint of heart, so Lauren, you might not want to listen, or those that are uh, prone to visits from Dr. Joe, we are here breaking down a very interesting episode of Survivor 38. Let me welcome in the panel first, as always, the co-owner of the B&B, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to talk about all these looks. Uh, I think it's good. Uh, oh, oh, wait. No, wrong show. Wrong show. Survivor. Okay. But we still might talk about some looks. So I'm here for that as well. Yeah, we're having a bit of deja vu or should I say deja vu here today because we are joined by a man who is part of the illustrious panel of the LFC. But Liana and I have spent, I would say, the past, what, two or three months straight talking drag race with this guy each and every week. We are so happy to welcome him back to the B&B and B this week. Brent Wolgamot, welcome back. How you doing? I am doing great. I am ready to talk some Survivor. I haven't talked Survivor all season long. I was really down on Survivor coming into the season because of Edge of Extinction, but Reem has gotten me out of my uh, funk, as it were, and I have really enjoyed this season, and I think that they are really lucky that they had such an awesome contestant in Reem who started Edge of Extinction. Otherwise, it could have had a much different story, but I am living for this season. I'm happy to be over here talking with you guys on the bnb and i can't wait to see what we do i am i'm like very here for this narrative of reem being the reason why edge of extinction is palatable she's, <laughs> like she's, i'm totally she's here for the redemption of yeah. survivor edge of extinction but i'm super intrigued brent because you sort of talked about your changing thoughts and you have covered shows your bread and butter are of shows that suffice it to say tend to throw in some twists sometimes that really change up the game in a major way, like something like Edge of Extinction. What was it about the twist that really, you know, had you coming in with low expectations? And was is it really just Reem that has risen your thoughts on the twist and season overall during the course of these past eight weeks? Well, I think it's very much like Big Brother, where Survivor, even when it's bad, is still Survivor. It's still it's still good television, uh, and I enjoy it more than many other things on my on my screen. I think the problem was that I'm so cynical with reality television, and I think like many of us who are you know hardcore reality fans, that we saw the writing on the wall, which was. They developed this twist very much like they developed Redemption Island for when Boston Rob and Russell came back, that when their big stars got voted up, they still were on your television screen. You were still looking at them. If Joe somehow got voted off in the first couple of weeks, you were still looking at him. If Aubrey or Kelly or, or David, you, you know, they didn't want somebody to be back for an episode and then just get voted off and never hear from them again. And I think that they just are unwilling to take that risk. And I, I don't know why they're will, they're unwilling to take that risk. It seems uh, anathema to the way that the reality that reality show fans view the show is that that's that's part of the game. It's, it's big risk, big reward. You have somebody who you're a fan of who comes back, and obviously a lot of us are fans of Kelly Wentworth when she came back the second and the third time. 
and we have all of our hopes and dreams in them. Like, we really want you to win. But there is a possibility they could get voted off in one episode. But what's wrong with that? And I was really, really frustrated by the fact that I, I really felt like this was a uh, a Joe mechanism, as it were, to keep him in. Because his, his path is so f- predictable. Alex said it best on Twitter, where he's like, you know, you have this guy who comes on screen. He's pretty bland the entire time. Wins challenges for his team, all well and good. Goes to the merge. Does no strategy whatsoever, even though it's plain on everybody's face that he is not involved. He couldn't even pick up on the fact that episode a couple weeks ago where he was standing around. I can't remember who was it, Ron and Victoria who were talking and and he overheard them. And he's like, I don't know if I can trust them. Yes, think. Oh, my God. I'm so over him. Uh, and then he could quickly gets voted off the first uh, episode past the merge. It's so predictable but it's not even fun to watch like you know what's coming and you're like oh yeah i guess and i do think that that vote was stupid we can get into it but i don't think joe should have been voted off there he's really no threat to anybody's game whatsoever uh at least at this point with you know or at that point with 13 people left in the game but uh i I just that's the reason why i was so down on edge of extinction and i will say that uh, you know reem has helped a lot um I've I've gotten my rants going with the way you know they edited Keith and all. You know, should I do this? Should I? What do you mean? Should you not do this? Should you not? I was really really over him. Um, but uh, I think some of the people that have landed on Extinction have been good, and overall the cast has been pretty great. The comma six, the people over there, Victoria, Ron. Ron's a great villain. I think it's it's fun to hate him. Um, it's it's like you want him to get his you know to get his comeuppance, so to speak. Because he's a little cocky. I think that the cast has really helped, too, with this season. They've really done a great job. Again, we said this on the LFC the other night, that Survivor has figured out casting so well. There's so many people who are just gaming the shit out of this season. And for some reason, Big Brother just can't seem to figure that out. And I, maybe they don't want to. I don't know. Although, if you're a nard, then Joey Amazing is a threat because he might send somebody to go follow you. So all the nards out there need to be concerned. This episode, this episode was the Nard strike back, it seems. To your point, Brent, about, you know, I think this episode particularly really hammered home the idea that this is a very weird season of Survivor. And that really extends into the editing and the storytelling to the point of where it feels like this episode more than particular. A lot of people are starting to say, "Okay, let's figure out who can win this thing. But I'm almost liable to say that just like the editing behind this is going to be super weird, where you had people like David in War Dog, not really in last episode and now hugely focused in this episode. I feel like we might get a very unconventional winner narrative as well, to the point where this episode was hugely focused around Aurora, Julia and Gavin, who had big question marks next to their names, essentially, for the entire first half of the season. So I think I really enjoyed this episode. There was so much stuff to talk about both good and bad, but all entertaining in terms of gameplay, in terms of character moments. But what I've just found so interesting about this episode in particular is this is a turning point for the season in a myriad of ways. And one of them is that it's really hammering home this point of, Hey, if, if you're part of the story this week, you'll be put in the spotlight. If you're not, you're not doesn't matter with terms of a long-term narrative at this moment. It's just who's popular at the time. We've got 16 people to talk about, you know, uh, scraps might go to a few, that might have gone to feast last week. Hmm. 
I think for me, the uh, that missing the long-term narrative, though, I think is going to be really jarring. Maybe not right now, as we're sort of really consuming these episodes in these little tidbits. But when you think about it as a whole, like I really like to have stories that are told over the course of the season. And even within this episode, it felt like after the immunity, it was like, boom, 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 boom. All of this stuff was happening. And there were, it was just like, okay, wait, I'm sorry. What is going on right now? Like, it just felt very out of place. And so it was a little jarring for me, although it was, you know, great. To, like, it's very exciting, all the things that are changing. I think it makes for good TV, but it's just, it was like a little bit overwhelming for me. Yeah, a little mm. bit overwhelming for me, too. But I did enjoy this episode a lot. I wasn't sure that what ha- ended up happening with Eric going home was what was going to happen. In fact, I thought that the way they edited this episode, I agree with Brian Gold on Twitter, that uh, I thought Ron was going to go home because it seemed very much like John from the Marquesas with, I'm the puppet master, I'm controlling mm-hmm. everything, these people are idiots, isn't this a great lie to keep everybody you know together and not make them... Uh, you know. Uh, uh, backstab me and you know isn't this uh the, the family visit thing isn't that something great to push everybody forward to come to uh compel them to keep their loyalties to me and of course we ended up seeing that the family visit didn't mean squat to anybody else and i was really glad to see that look i mean i i can take issue with some of the moves in this episode and the episode before i, I definitely think some mistakes were made however i am so glad that the people who are making those mistakes are making them for the right reasons. They they are worried about their position within the game and they want to change that. And I don't really think you can, it's really hard to be mad at people like that. I love the irony as well that I think Gavin said this in a confessional of, yeah, you know what? They keep reminding me that we need to make it to the family visit. And it made me realize, yeah, I'm playing for my family. I'm not playing for these guys. So let me get rid of them. Uh, I think yeah. that's just fantastic logic sort of being turned back on these guys ron held the strings but they promptly coconut chopped those strings even though to your point ron didn't go i guess eric makes more sense there was some uh, there was some explanations on social media from some of these contestants that understandably i think eric's the bigger physical threat and maybe you know he has the better quote-unquote story as this you know firefighter and dad of two so it makes sense from a logistical perspective from a blank piece of paper perspective with your address written on it, why you would want to get rid of him. But I do agree that I think we got a lot of Ron specifically being the puppet master. Maybe it's just because Ron was delivering more of those delicious cocky sound bites. Yes. Well, I think I, well, I think also, though, it's a little bit of the lieutenant strategy, right? Like, just in case for some reason it might get back to them for whatever reason. Like, yeah, it would make the most sense to put the voice on Ron. So let's go ahead and put it on Eric. Um, I think the fact that he had been a little bit invisible and then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Eric and Ron are running the show. Then I think that was kind of what tipped me off that it might've been Eric in the end. Uh, but yeah, I can definitely see where the Ron stuff is coming from. And he, his edit has totally been setting himself up for like some sort of comeuppance. So, uh, comma uh you ups, know, comma uppance, comma uppance. Yes. He just loves comma uppance. Um, so I don't know if this was it. And now there's just going to be this like trickling, uh, of, you know, at the end where they're like slowly taking out or, uh, there might be something else. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So, uh, just before we move forward, can we talk about somebody who didn't have a great episode? Uh, cause I really want to talk about them. <laughs> who, who, who could that be? I wonder Brent Wolkemod, who could you possibly be speaking about? Oh yeah. That's who I'm talking about. <laughs> what the hell, Rick? I mean, seriously, look, okay, you got Bloomberg, David Bloomberg from, you know, how blank lost, you know, defending him all over Twitter, all well and good, fine. Uh, this is very in, so, if, you know, for those people who don't follow all the people on RHAP, uh, this is uh, what I'm talking about is David Bloomberg from the uh, how blank lost podcast has been defending Rick all over Twitter that, you know, he, why should he go back to the people who he 
trusted before, who backstabbed them before. And I have had some things to say about that. Of course, I had some things to say about Rick on Twitter, and I probably got blocked by Rick on Twitter because he's such a pussy and he couldn't handle a little bit of criticism from somebody like me who happens to have a microphone in front of him. Uh, I don't understand why Rick wouldn't even at least hear David out. I think he made a couple of wrong moves uh, from at least the perspective of the idol. Look, if you don't want to go back to those guys, the less you three, fine. I think it's a bad move, but we can talk about that. But at least listen to David and, and, and look you know, interested in what he has to say. Because, hello, David has your half of the idol, and you have to get that back. Otherwise, the half that you have means jack shit. But you being so uh, intractable to David means that David is now aware of the fact that you are, one, not going to do what he says to do, and two, that you have no interest in coming back to Lesu 3 at all. You're not even considering what he has to say. Uh, so he's not going to give you your half of the idol back. He realizes that you have a different agenda from him because David is with them. And I don't understand Rick. Okay. Here's the thing. Rick going back to the episode where he was originally voted off. It was like a love tribe. They were really like living for each other in that moment. Nobody wanted to get rid of Rick. They, they it was like survivor put a gun to their head and said, look, you got to vote somebody out. And they were like, shit, we have to vote somebody out, but they did not want to vote Rick out. I don't understand why Rick is so buttered about that. So he, okay, he he has something, Rick, I'm talking about, that, that is so valuable in Survivor. He has information. He knows that these three people, Wardog, Lauren, Kelly, are more loyal to each other than they are to him and David. Fine! Use them for the moment, okay? Use them, pull in Aurora, pull in whoever the hell, to try to get to six or seven. Um, I really I was, I was surprised that Aubrey's extra vote went to Aurora, but that's something else altogether. Uh, I pull them in and try to make something happen to just depend on the good graces of Kama to let you in at their benevolence. I think is really, really poor play, and I really think that he just could not have he he couldn't have played this episode worse. And also, he couldn't have played it worse from an editing perspective where he looked like a complete jackass the entire time. So, congratulations, Rick. You did a great job, man. <laughs> Thanks, Reem. <laughs> Reem and Daly. Um, I, yeah, I said something the other day on the LFC where I said, dude, what are you doing? And I like people are like, that sounds like Reem. I think that I'm, I, me and Reem were separated at birth. There's a lot yeah. of similarities going on. I believe it. Um, I, I think for Rick, the fact also that, like, I can totally understand that uh, decision. Like, oh, okay, yeah, you feel burned by them. You don't want to go back to them. But I think it was the fact that he was so intractable with dealing with War Dog and then a little bit with David also just felt so jarring to me. It's, it did. Like, it was crazy. And uh, and then uh, the other thing, though, that I did like was uh, Devin's using war dog as a verb. Don't come out here and war dog at me. So if we ever do Mad Libs, I will accept war dog as a verb. Oh, fantastic. By the way, yeah, I, I, I don't exactly know what a verb is. So I'm happy I can put war dog, war dog <laughs> in the vernacular. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, 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 my problem with Rick was that you're right, Leona. That's where it, this all of this came about so suddenly because he's been so happy to be back in yeah. the game. He was happy to see David again. Everything was great. But then he, he did the thing that we all hate on Survivor. And it's the how dare you? 
Like, how dare you think a vote for me? Like, you think you thought of voting for me? Like, let's remember the people at the previous tribal council, even though Rick is the one who's all butthurt about it. And that's exactly what he is. He's got crybabyitis. He's totally butthurt about it. Who voted for him? Joe and Aurora are the people that voted for him. Okay. And I also don't understand the fact that he's so cool with the fact that he was completely lied to by the comma six because they told him that we're voting for Kelly because him and David voted for Kelly, but Kelly is not who went home. So I don't understand how he's so cool with being let in with them. And yes, I am specifically going back. I'm going to Rick because he's the only one of this minority group or the previous minority group. Who knows the way things look now who doesn't have his eyes open. And I couldn't stand the fact that he was like, how dare you even think about voting for me? David Bloomberg said on Twitter that, you know, why should he go back to the less who three when they voted him out once before? And they were thinking of betraying him again. Again, he has power within the game. He knows that they betrayed him once before, even though from my perspective, it wasn't a betrayal. It was just, look, they had to vote somebody out and it was Mm -hmm. him. So he knows that they're more loyal to each other, move forward in the game, eliminate some of these comma six people get down to about, you know, 10, 9, and then say, you know what? I know that they're more loyal to each other, so I'm going to pretend that I believe them, but I'm going to take them out. And if he had done that, that would have been great. But instead, he played this whole episode like, how dare you, crybaby, I, I, I can't believe you thought of voting for me. How, how evil were you to think about sending me back to, re- to edge of extinction? Like, it, it did seem a little bit like he was mad at them from a moral perspective and i cannot stand that (laughs) i mean that's it's also tough because they're essentially creating their own morals out there on the island and while what he's doing might be an emotional pitch it's not great from a logistical perspective as as you mentioned that from our perspective it's like why are you complaining so much but it's so this is also interesting it's stinks so much to me of the merge episode of survivor pearl islands where Lil comes up to Andrew Savage and is like, you told me that you, you you told me that you would tell me before I was voted out if you were voting for me and you didn't. So now I'm going to vote against you. It's exactly that. Like, I think Rick even said at this point in this in what at one point in this episode, why did you not tell me beforehand? And I guess you you lose your mind a bit while you're out there on edge of extinction. And he sort of brought those demons back. What I think about Rick's game stance here is that If you look at his secret confessionals, he does have a good mind about how he wants to play this. He says, look, they I I said I'd go along with these commas, family visit, yada, yada, yada. But I know that they're going to fracture at a certain point and that those guys, Eric and Ron, are going to take David and I forward. They want to take us to the final four. You're you're depending on somebody else's good graces to move you forward in the game. Take the power for yourself, Rick. Take it, take it for yourself now. That's exactly what Julia and Victoria and Gavin did right now. I don't understand why he's like, you know what? I'm gonna put my game in other people's hands. And I know that those of you out there who are listening are like, wow, Brent, you're being really hard on Rick right now. But I don't believe there's anybody else in the RHAP universe who has really gone after him the way that he should be. He should be taken to task for this. He is a better player than this. He is a super fan of the game. For him to be so intractable, listening to other people's strategy, it is just, it is the mortal sin within Survivor, and I will just not stand for it. I mean, and on that note, I think that while he did have a plan, which I think, you know, to people were saying like, oh, he was just going to ride it. Whether or not you think that him being a pilot or a passenger is a good thing at this point in the game, 
he did have a plan, and that's understandable. But I think burning a bridge so much with the other side is just not a great move to make, especially, you know, there's a big debate on the know-it-alls about whether this move that was made by the younger commas was good at this point of the game, at the final 12. You could argue the same thing for Rick. Did you really want to do this type of thing at the final 12 and try to burn at least three people that you had ties with before the merge in lieu of these strangers that you had only met a few days ago? That all being said, I was supremely enjoying the emotionality of it all. I always love when emotions get involved in Survivor because it's absolutely natural. And Rick's just complete, like, I don't know, his his attempt to to get one over on War Dog of like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the old Lesu. You know, I know I can trust you guys. I really want to get back with y'all, except that I don't want to. Psych, you're screwed, War Dog. War Dog you. Uh, I thought it was just a really funny turn. We, I don't think we've ever heard a not- joke in survivor beforehand and i think rick might have done the closest thing to it yeah yes. I I, um I, I yeah i, I it's it is very emotional and i think uh i think it doesn't really make like again i can understand the emotion but like yeah i mean i don't get that i mean i don't get a lot of the strategic decisions that were made uh in this episode um so uh that was a little bit of a miss for me so, something's uh, got to be in the water i think uh maybe, maybe. there was some, something in the water at comma that they all just sort of sh- shared something before the merge happened and now they're sort of infected with this bug of yep gotta start cannibalizing our road it's not like we're at the final 12 or anything we're at the final six right now so let's start making yeah, moves exactly like the only people i want to give props to are war dog and then Victoria for saying that it was a bad move with yeah, Gavin and Julia. I agree. By the way, I, I do. Here's let me say a couple things. I think that both both moves, both episodes since the merge have been wrong. The moves have been wrong. The, the decision to vote Joe out, it could not have been worse because if Rick wasn't such a jackass, you would have not had the majority. You wouldn't have been able to do anything because you only had six people in the comma six. You completely left Aurora out of the fold and she was really, really butthurt about that herself. And the fact that, you know, these are seasoned players. I, I remember Rob talking on the know-it-alls about the fact that he thought the Joe vote out was a good move. And I'm almost like, Rob, what are you talking about? Because uh, not to come after Rob, but like you, the, the the comma six, they put a big blinking neon light on themselves because remember everybody else thought the plan was something different. Aurora and Joe thought the plan was uh Kelly, or sorry, was Devins and David, and Kelly and and them thought the the plan was Devins and David, and Dave, Devins and David thought the plan was Kelly. The only people who knew the real plan of what ended up happening were these six mysterious Joe votes that ended up popping up, and so you're like. If you're a seasoned player, you're, you're like, okay, number one, I was lied to. That's That never makes you feel good because you were completely out of the loop. You could have been blindsided at Tribal Council, and you weren't, so you're still lucky to be in the game. But where did these six votes come from? Oh, they came from those guys. That's where the real power is right now. How many people are left in the game? Twelve. How many people do they have? Six. Okay, we need to do something about this. And I, Rob was talking about the fact that, oh, well, there was a circular firing squad, and it was so great. Like... Again, I knew that they were going to be able to set their differences aside and fast, and they did. So, and the other thing that was annoying was Joe was doing nothing. He would, him and Aurora were loyal soldiers. Ron says do, Joe says okay. Uh, Eric says jump, Aurora says how high. That's how they had been playing up until now. I know Aurora's all over Twitter going, hi. I'm Aurora, you know, look at me. What, what, all, all well and good, but, you know, seven episodes in, we haven't seen much of you. Uh, so I, I don't understand the 
uh, impetus to go after Joe, number one. And number two, because it lets everybody know, okay, we're all working together secretly. Ha, ha, ha. We got one over on you guys. I thought that if you waited an episode or two, got rid of Kelly, got rid of Wardog, got it down. Now you're, you can get rid of Joe because he's doing nothing uh, strategically. And you have the majority, and you're you're set to go again. Move forward to this episode. You do not have a stable majority. It is a it is a dicey one. Get rid of Kelly. Get rid of Wardog. Get rid of Lauren. Get rid of anybody but your own at this point. I don't understand the move from Julia and Vic, and I know Vic, Victoria uh, went along with it in the end. And I agree with Stephen Vishback that she had to because she saw where the numbers were going. But for Gavin and Julia to decide to get rid. Eric at the spot is a really, really poor move also because it leaves all of these people in the game who are still working together. They're more loyal to each other than they are to you. You could have gotten rid of one of them and then pick up the pieces and use them later on. Uh, Julia is saying on Twitter that to wait one more vote would have been too long. I don't understand that. Like, just get rid of one of them. You know that Ron and Eric are going to try to take or they're saying in confessional that they're going to use David and Devons to try to take you apart. Make a move at the final 11. Make a move at the final 10. Uh, Liana, I have to believe that you're with me on this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with like the, you know, there was the debate on the know-it-alls essentially where Rob was for and Steven was against. And I think I definitely fell more on the Steven side because of that issue of it seems so soon. Like there's still so many moving pieces. Yes. And, uh, and it just seems like, why would you not take out Kelly, especially because Kelly Wardog and Lauren are so clearly a tight three. Clearly. and uh, and so being able to take out one of them, like you only would then have three if you are Julia, Gavin and Victoria. So, um, yeah, I, 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 that uh, along with the editing really was just like, what, what, like, what is going on right now? Um, so I, I don't get it from a strategic perspective, but mm, I don't know, maybe like if Victoria is able to come out of this successful then I think we know it was a wrong move. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me that the people that were in the minority this episode were julie rick ron and eric it really feels like it's just a middle finger to all the parents on the tribe of like screw you mom and dad you You know i didn't notice that i didn't notice that until rob until rob said something on the know-it-alls that he was like this is a divide between the older generation and the younger generation i was like oh my god you're right like i didn't really realize the fact because they're all like you know like as old as me or younger except for like i don't know how old julia is uh, how old is Julie? Does anybody know? Uh, Julie, Julie's yeah. 40, 46, I believe. Okay, so she is older than me. Oh, my God. Thank God. Uh, but uh, everybody else is younger than me. And so I, I really didn't look at it from a perspective of, you know, older and younger. But he's right. That's exactly what happened was uh, it did feel like very like the kids were rebelling against the adults and they wanted to take <laughs> control of the game. They're uh, they're going to TP the shelter next. <laughs> like, take that, <laughs> mom and dad. We're going to sneak out at night and go idol hunting. Exactly. Uh, so let's speaking of Eric, let's move into our preseason predictions about how we thought Eric would do. So as per usual, Leon and I each wrote down how we thought Eric would fare in the game preseason. Since he's gone to extinction, we're going to leave that part out of our predictions until either he leaves extinction or comes back in some way, shape or form. Brent, uh, as the debate aficionado you are, it is your job to figure out who made the better argument preseason as to how Eric was going to do. Before we get into that, how did you think Eric would do preseason? Ah, it's so hard to tell. I mean, you know, 
he, like, he is a fan of the game and he seems to know what he's doing. So that's all well and good. On the other hand, he looks like a god. You know, he looks really, really put together. So I don't think that many people are going to miss that. Uh, I think that he was probably going to go the way of most people. Like, if he's not a total douche, he's going to make the merge. I think I feel like it's really hard not to make the merge when you look like that, unless you're a total douche. Uh, so he made the merge, and he was probably going to go out like in the Joe spot, and he—that's basically what happened to him. Um, so I concur. <laughs> I and my prediction said that he would make the merge, um, and this is what I wrote for Eric. So I said. After the weird fluke vote last week, the women were looking to regain control. Eric, there is nothing unique about me, Haifman, became the target of his three-person alliance of Keith, Eric, and Rick, a.k.a. Kick. Eric is voted out by the women and his own alliance members, Keith and Rick, a.k.a. still Kick, after realizing that they need to try and assimilate with the women. Eric had fun on the island and got to be a jungle kid again. He was the only player actually excited to go live on Joe Island. And then I wrote summary of Eric, strong dude, average social game. <laughs> Fabulous, Wait. except I have. Well, oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say, I'm so intrigued. Did you put Keith, Eric, and Rick together just to make that portmanteau happen? Honestly, probably. That sounds like something I would do. It's like, oh, you know what? I want to use kick. And well, then Keith and Rick <laughs> still make kick. Yeah, you made you work your way backwards. And I can it imagine was, yeah, you're like, exactly. I want to put Eric and Rick together because they could be like, your name sounds similar to mine. I feel like that's going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, right. That was probably my logic. And like, I figured Eric was like, exactly like Brett said, merge probably somewhere in the Joe spot. And then I had to work backwards from Kit. Well, go ahead, Mike. I will I will save my criticisms for it, Liana's until uh, till the end. So go ahead Thank with yours. You. Thank you for kicking it <laughs> off to me. Uh, well, I think this is going to be a pretty uh, open and shut case here for Miss Boris, because I had Eric being our surprise pre-merge boot. Uh, I said he'd get eliminated for overplaying and trying to rally the troops against the returning players. And I also <laughs> said outside of the game, Wendy or Johnny Fairplay will put out some piece of clothing with his face on it that says hot stuff. Hmm. Well, I mean, like, I don't feel like that's too far from the truth. I mean, he has been rallying people against the returning players and he did not go off in the pre-merge spot but he went off very close to it like like mike it still feels like a pre-merge boot right now <laughs> we still we still have 16 people in the game it feels know, like the right? start of a season <laughs> so uh i'm actually gonna give it to mike and here's the reason why because i couldn't get past the fact that liana said that there was nothing unique about him eric haferman because there is something unique about eric have you not noticed he has the thing that i am so freaking jealous of and I'm not talking about his body. He has Disney eyes. Have you never noticed <laughs> his Disney eyes? Like, like no. he, he has eyes that are completely and totally visible in the iris. Like, the iris is the colored part of your eye. You know, the pupil is the middle black part. I know you know this, Liana, but I'm talking to the people who are listening who are the dumbasses. I'm telling them that the iris is the colored part. He can, like, all you can see white around his entire eye because his eyes are so wide. And that's exactly how they draw all of the princesses on Disney. So I really am shocked that you missed that. Uh, he's Prince Eric, apparently. <laughs> yes. Uh, but by the way, in my defense, that quote is literally his quote from his preseason interview with Arissa Cox. He was, Arissa was like, What's unique about you? And he was like, Nothing. Oh, well, that's because he, okay. can't, he can't see his own face. 
Yeah, exactly. He's he's not taking a look in the mirror anytime soon or saying songs to it. It seems. Are you guys with me? I didn't know Disney Eyes was a thing. You've never seen Disney. Haven't you ever? Have you have you seen Eric and been like, God damn, his eyes are big. Like, have you not looked at him before? Like, take a look at his picture. It's very like. Anytime he talks is like it's amazing to me. I've only met like maybe a handful of people in my entire life who have Disney eyes where you can literally see the whites all the way around their eyes. Like all of their, their the color part of their eye is totally and one hundred percent visible whenever they're talking. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. <laughs> maybe I need to see a video. Yeah, I think it needs yeah. like, I think, I think I'm looking at, I'm seeing more like Pixar eyes, maybe DreamWorks eyes. Oh I don't know if they're God. Disney eyes. Uh, like I, I listen, all I could see on this episode was Disney eyes. So y'all, y'all, y'all need to wake up. <laughs> wake up. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> wake up. Get the get all the crust out of your Disney eyes and uh let's move on here. So we're gonna move into our first game of the week here. Now, every week on the RuPaul's Drag Race Root Cap, we do a runway breakdown because looks are so important in RuPaul's drag race. They make up one half of the judging criteria, depending on what the judges are sort of feeling that day. So we thought with Brent coming back, let's let's adapt him into the Survivor setting using a nice tried and true drag race staple from the podcast. We are bringing back Buff or Snuff for season 38. We figured we're eight episodes in. There have been some pretty noticeable fashion choices made by these contestants. And now that we are three weeks into the game, we can sort of break them down so here's how it's going to work for those of you that might not remember we're going to go through a certain number of fashion items or looks and we're either giving give it a thumbs up or a buff or we're going to give it a thumbs down or a snuff using whatever criteria you want to i know this is a very visual component so if you are listening to this and you want to follow along with us go to bit.ly slash buff or snuff 38 that's buff or snuff three eight like the number of the seasons you can follow along with us before we get into this uh brent you notice a lot about the eyes of contestants have you been one to follow the fashion trends that have existed on survivor for the past 19 years oh of course how can you not i i think there's some looks that are absolutely iconic and uh i'm i'm intrigued on some of the choices this season uh i think that there are a few people who have made a specific choice to you know what i'm gonna wear this and i think that people are either gonna love it or hate it but it's definitely gonna get a reaction out of people and it's probably the first two people that we're gonna talk about here all right well let's start with a shirt that people were pining for or pineappling for liana buff or snuff gavin's yellow pineapple hawaiian shirt first of all i'm kind of amazed that this got okayed for like i get the fact that it's got no brand logos or anything like that but i would feel like you wouldn't want something so bold and patterny to be on tv like i'm no visual expert but i feel like they usually go for you know flat colors on people um so a shirt that is completely covered in pineapples i feel like deviates from that and i think because of the just craziness of it it really stands out and so i would buff this i really love this as a choice 
Well, I would buff the shirt and I would buff the person who's attached to it. Gavin, I and, he, and he's pretty, and he's pretty so, buff too. So yes, he is, and this shirt makes him look so good. Like it cuts off his arms at just the right point. Uh, I'm living for this shirt. It's everything. I think it's so funny because like a year before this, uh, you know, but Gavin ended up on our TV screens. We have Pineapple Boy 27 on Twitter uh, with you know that's the you know that's like the the Trent Wagamot of it all. Like it's the it's the fake Rob, you know. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I don't listen to a ton of Rob and Tyson, so I don't know exactly where Pineapple Boy came from, but I do love that it's a thing. And so Gavin is like Pineapple Boy. Like, that's what I look when I look at Gavin. I think of Pineapple Boy. And he's so earnest in the way that he plays his game, but he's so hungry for the win, too. So I feel like I'm he, we're going to be seeing a lot of Gavin. And I'm really psyched that they put somebody I'm with Liana. Like, I don't know how this made it past production. Uh, but I'm really <laughs> glad it did because it's something interesting. It's a bull, a bull choice, young sir. Well, and I wonder how much he's, if he made the choice of shirt, what is he trying to convey to other people? This feels like a real goofball shirt. You know, I think the Simpsons said once, you know, the only people that are able to pull up Hawaiian shirts are gay guys and big fat party animals. So he wants to convey that party animal atmosphere. And, you know, pineapples. Are very prickly on the outside. Maybe they take a bit of getting used to or really digging inside to get some of that sweetness underneath. Even though I guess it's been proven as of late that we're eating pineapples the wrong way. Maybe we've been misinterpreting Gavin's game the entire way until this point. Hmm. I think it's just like, hey, I'm a goofy guy. I have pineapples on my shirt. <laughs> Although it could, like, I could also see this in a little bit of, like, douchebag category. Like, it could teeter that way about, like, yeah, bro, I'm going to go to next year's fire Festival. I don't know. Could be a little bit of that. But I think for him, especially with, like, the way he looks, definitely comes across as, like, I'm a fun guy. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move on here to what I would deem the most noticeable hat of Survivor 38. It is the one... The only infamous Victoria Beanie. Brent, what are you thinking about Victoria's choice of headwear on the island? I also have to buff this as well. I mean, anytime you can have a caricature of yourself on, on Twitter or people can talk about it. Like, I mean, there, there could be a picture of a random girl with glasses and a beanie and you would know it represents Victoria. Like she has an avatar of herself and that is hard to do. I love the fact that she just said, you know what? I'm going to wear this the entire time on Survivor. I don't give a shit how hot it is. Cause that's gotta be hot to wear. It's just gotta be. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna have a great time. Like I'm living for her. It took me a while to warm up to her. I think other people were standing her right away. Uh, I, on the other hand, you know, because we've seen so much of the Lesu tribe early on, I didn't see, I didn't connect with Victoria right away. But then I, you, I did. You were, a, you were a standing come lately. I was, a, I was asleep at the wheel until the Aubrey vote, and then I was like, ooh. Ooh, let me let me find out more about her. And I also love the fact that she has had a lot to say on social media about the previous move and this move as well. So if you don't follow her, make sure you do. It's Victoria Bellamonde or but I don't know. Look for a girl. That's what I'm trying to say. But I, I got to buff this look. It looks great. Um, so I was also a Stanley comma lately, uh, to her. I did not necessarily click with her in the preseason stuff. I was like, what? Is, like, she's going on. Like, I don't know. I, I found her, uh, I didn't immediately click with her, but what I, I love her on the show. I think maybe this is a situation where once she gets, like, you get out there and you kind of get exhausted, <laughs> your personality maybe tones down a little bit. And then, like, I don't know. Or it's, like, the preseason press jitters and all that stuff. I love her. Um, I love the hat choice. But it just kind of looks like it smells 
knowing that they're out there on Survivor. And if it's made of wool or something crazy like that, is it heavy? Is it hot? It is very noticeable, but uh, it must be very hot. I'm still going to boot it or I'm still still going to buff it, uh, but I I just feel like it smells. It's a very mild buff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, can I read you guys? uh, I take notes uh, for each episode in anticipation for this podcast. Episode one. The second point I make about Survivor 38, I like Victoria's wool hat. So I have been on board with her and her hat from the very beginning. I mean, look, I would be off brand if I did not make a buff so big that I could wear it like a big old floppy beanie to match Victoria's. I love how, at least from my estimation, I think it's gotten bigger over time maybe that's just like my own personal perspective but it feels like maybe it's gotten wet and stretched out i really want it to be down to the floor victorian nightcap style by the end of it all uh i just think it's a it's such an odd choice it reminds me of in survivor off the australian outback how colby donaldson sometimes randomly had one of those winter hats on Mm -hmm. that he brought to the outback that's what this reminds me of why would you bring this type of hat to unseasonably warmth weather i am obsessed with it i agree with brent it's a it's a hallmark now and it's a mood it makes an impact so i'm giving this the biggest buff i've ever given any piece of clothing in survivor in recent memory and it's made my mount hat more of noticeable wow. hats wow. so congratulations so victoria uh, <laughs> i'm so excited too because the person who's attached to it victoria is so fun uh, her confessional about you know i guess that they're trusting me but you shouldn't trust me man <laughs> and she's like laughing <laughs> under her breath about it i was like oh yes that's exactly how i'd play like i would i would like narrate my own game along the way <laughs> I also love Victoria had a really fun quote at Tribal Council where, again, like you said, she was sort of just going along with the plan where she said, you know, uh, I've got a loaded gun and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. I'd like to keep my feet tonight. It's like even when she's not featured in the episode, she's still doing fun things. So God bless Victoria and God bless the beanie. Let's move on here. Now, we're going to move on from individual items for a second to talk about overall looks. Now, Liana, I don't know if you've been noticing this, but David Wright, I feel I can't remember what he brought to Millennials versus Gen X, but this feels like a different type of look. Can you describe for the people who might not be following along at, again, bit.ly slash buffer snuff 38, what David has chosen to wear for Survivor Edge of Extinction? Yeah, it's very like business cash uh, is kind of like mm-hmm. the look that he's going for. He's like, yeah, it's like I'm going out there for work, but I'm still cool about it on Survivor. Um, So he's got this like purple V-neck shirt. I think it's a T-shirt. And then he has a what looks with the cut is like a suit jacket, but I don't necessarily think it's suit jacket material, although you can correct me on that. Uh, and then he's got, you know, some like casual dark wash jeans. And uh, I think he seems to be rocking uh, Converse, like white Converse or Ked sneakers. So uh, definitely an ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, he looks like a dot com millionaire. That's what yes! I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, totally yeah. get the, You know what this is? Valley. This is this is yeah. this is a writer outfit. This is like an outfit of like, mm. yeah, I want to look professional, but you know what? I got to let them know that like this is my voice and how I, I sort of buck the system trend. So I'm going to do a little bit of business, a little bit of uh, just woke up on my couch. And uh, you tell you tell me what you're looking at. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'll buff this look as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's classic. It's stylish. Um, it, could, it could come up as douchey on somebody else. But with David, I think it's a win. Uh, the other thing, too, uh, the, the choice of to wear the buff on his head uh is that i'm gonna i'm gonna have to tough that i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to get rid of that i I know that david does that but it always looks so 
I don't know, piratey or sailory. Whenever guys wear buffs on their head and just like flops around in the back like some extra foreskin or something. So uh, no, I, I that that's that's a tough no. Yeah, no smegma buff wearing for David Wright. <laughs> um, I I'll buff this too. I I like it. I you know somebody should look into this, but like the psychology of what outfits you wear on Survivor and how that impacts your game. Like I kind of want to trust him. I'm like, yeah, he's like he's got like a suit jacket on. He's like got his shit together. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm here for it. I think it looks I think it looks good. I'm going to snuff the jeans, personally. Maybe that mm. sort of makes me... Just because I have flashbacks again to poor Rupert having to swim his way off that boat in those big old heavy jeans. You have to imagine that they're not exactly the most compatible for Survivor. Everything else, you know, I think the jacket was probably a heaven-sent item, especially when it gets cold at night, but I might have to snuff this outfit just for the choice of pant alone. <laughs> give, give him a break. He's, he's just drinking, uh, soap, sopping wet, uh, Matt Money-Smith. <laughs> Whatever that quote that uh, Rob is obsessed with from uh, Million Dollar Mile, which I love, by the way. Um, not the show, the quote. Um, yeah, I, I'm here. For, I, I agree with that. I can see the the Gene uh, snuff. All right. Well, let's move on to another complete ensemble in Ron Clark. Now, we talked about this last week on the B&B. Brent, what do you make of any more of this? I think this is his tribal council look now. The Ron Clark button down shirt, vest and tie look. This is something. This is like, mm-hmm. man, he has really put together. Uh, I feel like it reflects his personality in that he's a little anal and he dresses that way. Like, that's how he's playing his game. Was He wants to control everything. And I feel like his ensemble is something that represents that. So I'm going to have to buff this as well. Uh, I It it cracks me up. Uh, and it, I think it makes him such a great villain. I don't know if other people feel the same way about Ron as I feel about him. Like, I couldn't wait for Ron to get voted out. Now that he apparently doesn't have power anymore, maybe he'll come he'll become a little bit more palatable to me but i do love the fact that he's just playing such a like uh in your face kind of game like at the at the merge uh tribal council when when jeff was like what did you think when we merged ron he's like oh i just love my comma tribe man i just like really like if we just stay with comma forever like basically just telling the other people get the fuck out uh so uh he he the way he plays the game and the way he talks about people in confessional is i'm so on board for him and i love this look it totally it represents ron yeah, his faces at Tribal are also like on point. He is very expressive. Um, and I think this look for me is fantastic. It's absolutely amazing. I love what you said, Brian, about the fact that it uh, very much fits his personality. Because I think that that's totally true. Also, I'm just a sucker for the vests. I think he looks absolutely fabulous. Um, and it definitely does kind of fit a little bit of the villain ish vibe that he gives out like he needs a cat in his lap for the confessionals to just sort of like pet evilly as he uh, gives his confessionals like i could totally see that fitting i think it's lovely totally buff I, he totally fits to me like he needs a little band over his arm and he could be one of those 80s wall street brokers uh you know one of those greed is good guys from the way he's he's looking right now i'm gonna buff this as well i love the formality of it too you know not since martinez from survivor south africa how we had someone actually make tribal council out like it's the opera and dress up for it and it makes me both happy and sad that we didn't see him go to tribal council at all during the pre-merge because a we would have missed out on so many great faces and opportunities in the first six episodes but b to your point, Brent, it's built up this image in his mind of how he's infallible 
And so it leads to a much bigger fall. I love the double takes that he did when the Eric votes were coming in. But yeah, mm-hmm. listen, I have to buff this. And I really hope he comes in like totally disheveled, uh, you know, at the next tribal council to just represent how his position has fallen. Yes. Fabulous. All right, moving on here. This is something I didn't realize until I was looking through the I press didn't photos. Either. What is happening here? <laughs> so, <laughs> Reem has at one point, you know, in episode two, when I think she was in tarp mode, when she was blanketing essentially with the tarp, a la Audrey from Big Brother 17, uh, around her time on Extinction Island when it was just her, it looks like for a brief portion of time, she made a skirt out of the tarp and made a belt out of the rope. Liana, give me all your thoughts about this. This is very much RuPaul's Drag Race design challenge. Yeah, this is this fail. is like challenge one. She's like, I don't have any sewing experience, dude. Hot, yeah, uh, that's lame. I got a hot glue. Um, yes, I, I the, the ingenuity here is just like really wonderful. I love the fact that she's also just co-opted this tarp for herself. Like I'm sure you know, it like originally was meant to be the shared resource, and she's like, no, bitch, I need a skirt. Um, but yeah, it's very much you know Shangela uh, crafting levels, <laughs> or at least season you know two levels. Um, but I don't know. I I got to buff it. I, I love this. Yeah, it's so hard for me not to buff it because I really, really enjoy it. Uh, it. It just, it's so crazy and it's so her. Like, again, Liana, I'm so with you. Like, this has to be a shared resource. And the fact that she just took it for herself uh, mm-hmm. is just crazy to me. I, uh, again, I don't know what she was thinking or why she apparently needed this. Like, were her bottoms, like, were they air drying at this moment? Like, I don't know. This reminds me of Rupert with the skirt. Uh, this is crazy. I can't even believe that. Like, again, I, I had no idea that this even happened at one point. The fact she also looks pissed at the cameraman as well. Like, why the, why the fuck are you taking a picture of me? <laughs> well, I wonder maybe if David had gotten his jeans wet, this would have been the only alternative from a wardrobe perspective. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Underwood kind of looks like Burton. I think we compared it to him and the real weird sisters were on. So oh, yes. <laughs> I think this whole thing totally fits. I cannot believe and, what uh, we had talked about chris underwood oh my god like uh is there are there any games coming up that have chris underwood in them shall i save my is, is, is am i jumping the gun here <laughs> no uh i did not prepare a chris underwood trunk game um, <laughs> which i should have knowing that you're gonna be on i just want y'all to know that uh chris underwood is like the gift that keeps on giving thank god for edge of <laughs> extinction because um the thing that uh, is amazing about Chris is you're like looking at it and you're going, what? Like, where where does it start? And what what is that? And how is that happening? Um, because he looks to have such a massive package. Of course, Bryce and company were the people that got this started. I never noticed it on Twitter. You would think I would notice something like this, but apparently I didn't. You're and looking in his eyes. And then it's all exactly. And then it was all I could look at uh, insofar as Chris goes. The people that are complaining about, uh, well, why don't we give the survivors their... Um, their their bathing suits. This is the reason why. For people like Chris Underwood, uh, the little eye candy that we get. Um, like again, uh, he has he has had he has started the most interesting discussions in some little focus groups that I'm a part of. Um, like a bunch of gay men, like you know, twenty, thirty of them, uh, all discussing. Like, okay, so I think this is his balls, and this is his this is his dick, and yeah. <laughs> So oh, you're, man, you're trying to do like a, C, a CSI like yes. glass pattern analysis of where everything's arranged in his underwear. That is oh. it too, and uh, we and we have figured it out too. We 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 feel like we know what's going on. Yes. Uh, if this ha- if like uh, 
taking apart this like image and picture, if this had been part of my anatomy class as part of my PhD, I would have gotten a better grade. I'm just saying. <laughs> I may have paid attention a little bit more. Let's, let's put Chris Underwood's pecker in every sex education classroom across America uh, because it's very it's easily identifiable so ridiculous. parts. It's so ridiculous. Oh my God. Okay, moving on. Well, I'm I'm going to I'll just give to wrap it around uh, to back to Reeb. I'm going to give it a buff as well, because I love the Maria Von Trapp of it all of let me find something and make an outfit out of it. I really hope that we're eventually going to see a dress made out of all the maps they keep getting from Extinction just woven together. I know Reem hates <laughs> maps and loves naps, but I hope she shows her ingenuity in more ways than one. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, All right. I what was that quote that she said? I have it written down somewhere. The one about her hating maps. That was so funny. Yeah, let's see. I'm trying. Oh, she says. Uh, basically, she says she's terrible with riddles and even worse with with maps. Nice, perfect. Oh, that she reminds said, please, me. Please don't let it be a map. That reminds me Not of maps. that's Gargamel from the Smurfs, where he gets like like he gets a map to the Smurf village. She's like, I'm terrible with maps. Like- <laughs> The cartography class was canceled. You're, I think you're the only person who might have compared Reem Daly and Gargamel, the eternal enemy of the Smurfs. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I remember that episode when Gargamel made a skirt out of a, a tarp. It was a very interesting episode. <laughs> it's because his jeans were wet. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on here. So this is this is a look that spans multiple survivor appearances. Liana a, why do they keep putting Aubrey Brocco in this sleeveless, pantsless, blue button down? And B, do you buff or snuff it? I ask myself the same question. These are the questions that keep me up at night. Why the Winnie the Pooh look? Is it a production decision? Is it Aubrey's decision? Is it kind of like, okay, well, I'm so far in now. I've done it so many times that like I have to do it again. Because I think uh, this is the first one I'm going to snuff. I'm just not crazy about this look. Like she... It's just, in my opinion, I just don't like the Winnie the Pooh thing. So I'm going to snuff this one. But the color on her looks very lovely. It looks lovely on her, but I'm bored. Uh, Pretty but boring. That's that's the label she's getting from me. So uh, yeah, I'm going to have to tough it. Yeah, I'm going to snuff it as well. It's the same silhouette. Three seasons in a row. The same same silhouette. We're not getting any variety here. Oh my God, she's the Miss Vanjie this season. Yes! Aubrey! (laughs) Miss Aubrey! (laughs) Miss Aubrey! She has the personality. Like, I think Vanjie would yell F yeah if she was told she had another chance of coming back into the competition. (laughs) Yeah, I can see it. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right, finally here, we have a new piece of jewelry for this the individual portion of this season that's only been seen on a couple of ladies. In the immunity necklace, Brent, whether it's compared to other immunity necklaces of seasons past or on its own, are you buffing or snuffing the necklace this season? 
I don't like it. And it's also really, really huge. Uh, like, I've seen a couple pictures of the women yeah. trying to wear it because women ha- are the only people who have actually won the immunity necklace. And it's like production was planning on, like, I don't know, Joe and Eric winning or something because it barely will stay on top of them. Yeah, it's, it's off the shoulder. Yeah, it really is. Uh, she could wear it as a belt. Uh, it, it's a little <laughs> it's a little overdone uh, from my perspective. Uh, but then again, you want something that's overdone. Like, I've always loved the immunity necklaces that have a little bit of movement to them, like the one from All Stars with the jingle jingle. Uh, I always made me smile. And then there's been a couple of others that have a little bit of swing to them. This just looks like a piece of cardboard. So, no, it, it's a snuff. <sighs> Wasn't the ghost? I feel like the ghost island one was like really ugly. Yeah, the the ghost was, island one was the one we were talking about, where it looked like it was the the medallions were made out of like paper or something. Yeah, they were, they were it's flat. the one that was made in craft time at Ponderosa. Is, yes, is the middle of this the medallion of power? Is that what it is? <laughs> no, there was a discussion about. It looks like the idol that um, Rick and um, David have. That like it's the two pieces that come together. Uh, oh, so it's a okay. yeah it's maybe a hidden immunity idol. Yeah, it it kind of looks like they took idols and then just like kind of like stuck them to uh you know to this necklace. It also looks like it has those pom pom balls <laughs> on it, which is kind of funny. Um, but I actually the biggest thing was what Brent pointed out: the fact that it's so big, um, is kind of crazy. Like I don't know if they expected Joe to be wearing it the entire season, and that's why it's so big. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's got a, a large circumference. Um, but uh, it's. <laughs> It's much like Chris Underwood, uh, um, but it's I don't know. It's fine. Um, yeah, nah, I'll snuff it. See, I'm, yes. I'm going to I'm going to buff yeah. it for that reason, though, because people like to marvel at how much weight they've lost on Survivor. Right. This is sort of like when you purposely wear baggy clothes to look at like, oh, look how small I've gotten. The shirt looks huge on me. How much do you think Julie and Aurora and other people that wear it are going to be like, wow, you know what? I got really small out there. Look at how much that immunity necklace is sliding off my shoulders. And to the point about using it as a belt brand, I am surprised we don't get more innovation with the necklaces. We did have that one time where Tyson, I believe, wore the immunity necklace in his hair as a headdress Mm -hmm. during Survivor token chains. But I think that's the length that we've gone to in terms of, you know, various uses of the necklace proper. Um. Yes, I can. I can actually see being like, does this immunity necklace make my butt look big? Yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. We shall see. That's that. That's the telltale sign. Like, you know, it's bad if it makes your butt look big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Uh, yes. Okay. So I want to switch gears and talk about my Ron Clark rule of the week. So um, we have been putting together the Ron Clark rule. So Ron Clark has 55 essential rules and we are adding one extra rule so we can get to 69 rules by the end of the season. Um, So I need your guys's help this episode because I have like a bunch of ideas and I can't narrow it down. But first, I want to go through the rules that we've established so far. So rules are ream daily, speak softly and carry a big snake. Don't be stupid, stupid. Watch your back. Always go through someone's bag 20 minutes ago. Have Joey amazing on your tribe. All's fair in love and war dog. And dress for the blind side you want. So I'm just going to throw out a bunch of ideas I had. And then if either of you guys have ideas or you want to like manipulate some of these, let's go for it. So don't get too cocky. No strings attached. When you think you're the puppet master, you might be the puppet. Don't be the puppet master. (laughs) Play Survivor like it's Black Friday. 
which I don't remember now what that's in reference uh, Aubrey's, to. Aubrey said that when they came to uh, the mad scramble oh, right. for the, for the yes, clue. Yes, yes. Um, or prepare for Survivor by going to Black Friday. So those are all of my ideas. Hmm. Okay, Bram, what are you thinking? Any you're, you're gravitating towards or any others that you want to throw in there miscellaneously? Uh, well, gosh, they, they went by so fast. I had barely had time to evaluate them. Uh, can you can you read the first three again from Ron? Okay, so like the basic ones yeah. are don't get too cocky, and then I go into a bunch of puppet ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's what I thought. I thought that's what it was. It was like basically yes. emanations of the same thing. Okay. Exactly. The, the, so like the, well, well, the for, puppet ones. Yes. Well, oh. No, no, it's okay. Me. Go ahead, don't go get ahead. too cocky is like boring. Okay, so the no strings. Okay, so I have no strings attached. Yes. When you think you're the puppet master, you might be the puppet or don't be a puppet master. Uh, Yeah, that's the one that I've had more practice saying. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Gosh, I think I think they're all really funny. Uh, That cracks me up. I never thought of it that way. Don't be the puppet master uh that but that, that's that's how ron would like to be spoken to i feel like uh he like, can someone do you guys happen to know like what is the thing about ron like he apparently i was stunned to see that he has more followers on twitter than i do uh he's apparently a big deal like he has like yeah well ron yeah. Yeah, because, when you have a movie made about you bestseller i always oh, that what it was like he who yeah. is who okay so give me like a 30 minute 30 second speech spiel on ron clark like wh- why is he so freaking special other than the fact that we're all special okay well so he was an educator he founded the ron clark academy where he specifically worked with disadvantaged students in like north carolina i think in new york city potentially but anyway he was the subject of this new york times or he wrote the book or something no so Um, so he so he wrote his own expose to get his, himself his, famous? <laughs> no, his story his that. story brought him he caught the national attention. He went on to Oprah. Oprah encouraged him to write a book, uh, which was the aforementioned Ron Clark rule book for education, which became a New York Times bestseller. There was a movie then made about his life starring Matthew Perry, and as a result, he opened the official Ron Clark Academy. He insists that it was only named the Ron Clark Academy for name recognition due to the movie. So all that rolled together leads to him having a greater following on social media than you, my friend. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I was literally like trying to figure out what was going on here. This must have happened. When did, when did this happen? Because, well, well, Oprah was on television, number one, so they have, it has to have been a while ago. I must have been in the military or something, because I don't remember any of this. Uh, uh, 2006. Oh, okay, yeah. I was I was getting my bangs, my brains banged out. Oh. You're, we're talking, you're talking to uh, puppets and masters? Yeah, yes. yeah. I think Master. I was talking to puppets and masters at the time. Yeah, I, I, I have no memory of this. Oh, I was using it at the time. Uh, that's what was happening. Because, uh, uh, yeah, because I, I, I was, uh, I got clean in two, right around there, 2005, 2006. So that's why I have no memory of you, Ron. Sorry. <laughs> I like Don't Be the Puppet Master because it also implies a genie-like relationship. And Ron does kind of dress like for tribal council, some sort of weird genie that you conjure up that sort of looks like an imaginary friend or mythical figure from a piece of children's literature. Yeah, he does kind of look like that. Like, mm. like I'm talking about like the uh, what's that that Mara Wilson imaginary friend movie? Uh, like it, uh, like that that type of field. Uh, imaginary friend movie. Imaginary friend. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, either way, I think that uh, I do like don't be the puppet master. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. So, okay. So don't okay, don't be don't be don't be a puppet. Don't comma, be the master. puppet. Don't be yeah, don't be a puppet, comma, master. 
Oh my goodness. This is yes. Okay, lovely. By the way, Wonderful. I was thinking of uh it wasn't Mara Milson. I'm thinking of Drop Dead Fred is the uh imaginary friend movie I was thinking of. Not a very good movie That's at all. A, not a very good movie. I did not care for that movie. By the way, I totally threw you off because I didn't know who the fuck Ron Clark was. <laughs> I had to ask. So who is this guy? You think I could have taken five seconds before this podcast to figure out who Ron Clark was, but no, I couldn't be bothered. I should have just sent you the like let me google that for you. Yes. <laughs> Brent, google uh, exists. Uh, um oh my gosh. Okay, lovely. Lovely. Google All right. So, don't be a puppet master. All right. So, I now the, I okay, I don't want to hype this up too much, but I'm like super stoked for this and I'm really excited for you guys to try these out. So, we heard from Reem that she doesn't like maps or riddles. So, I was inspired to write some riddles um that you guys are going to work together to try to solve. Oh my god, okay? Gargamel. I hate riddles. <laughs> okay. Okay, ahead. well the benefit is that they are riddles about people who have fainted on Survivor. <laughs> right, so, right. you have a limited pool of people right. to pick from. <laughs> Okay, so uh, if either of you, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Um, otherwise, we will get into this. Okay, here is your first riddle. And like I said, you can work together to try to solve the riddle. Okay. I used to spend time hunting down chicks, but now I much prefer playing with chips. My sartorial choices come in blue. When it comes to fish, I'll stay far from you. Mm. Who am I? I think I know who this is, but Brent, do you have any ideas? Uh, see, this is where my, my, my knowledge of Survivor is very wide, but not so deep. So, like, I, I, once, I, once the season is over, I tend to forget about people. So, uh, and I, I pray that this isn't from this season. Otherwise, I'm going to look like a complete jackass. So go ahead, Mike. Who is it? No, I do believe this is one Boston Rob Mariano. Uh, oh, yeah, he, he did faint. Oh. And he t- t- I was thinking about the chips in terms of poker. He yeah. used to taste chicks with Amber Burkish and Sarah. I think the, Far From You is a nice little uh, kick-esque portmanteau or rhyming scheme with Fafaru, which was one of his most infamous enemies. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that Liana's so happy that you got that. It went completely the fuck over my head. <laughs> okay, I'm, yeah, so first of all, that is correct. It is about Boston Rob. The Far From You line? Not gonna lie, feeling myself. Oh, I was like, oh my god, I'm the most genius. brilliant person in the entire world. <laughs> Chris Noble would be jealous of those of those skills. Know, right? that craftsmanship uh, but, with words. But, yes, so that was correct. The hunting dead chicks, Amber, and also the chickens that he hunted on Marquesas, poker, uh, Boston Red Sox hat for the sartorial choices, and mm-hmm. the Fafaru line. Yes. Okay, great. So let's move into our next riddle. In hairy situations, I become locked in dread. I tried to be a leader, but was in over my head. To let out frustration, I speak to a being most divine. I threw out the cookies to keep my tribe in line. Who mm. am I? I uh yeah, well, I the, again the name is eluding me here. I can see who it is, but I can't I can't. Descri- describe him for me. Uh is it, I thought it was a her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, what, were, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Uh, no, I'm just trying to wait. No, that's not. Sorry, I'm like this. I see, I'm no good at this because I'm. I heard the cookies, and now I'm thinking about the Angie with the cookies. But that's well, not no. It. I I think you're close there because oh, I so do believe. Well, oh. I do believe that it's her former tri-mate, Speaking of returning player, new player dynamics. Russell is it? Is it yeah, is it Russell Swan? Oh, okay, okay. I forgot that he was even on her tribe. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Like, see, this is like, I don't remember shit like this, you guys. Like, I'm terrible. Oh, my God. 
memory. Just appreciate my beautiful writing. I, How I, dare you? I appreciate the writing. <laughs> I, I am with you on that. It's so fabulous. But I'm 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 disappointed that I can't like snap up an answer right away and be like, oh my god, Liana, that was so brilliantly written because I know the answer is blank. Bitch, I don't know shit. I'm like, Mike, who help me here? Who is this? There's only like <laughs> you can make a list of the people that have fainted on Survivor. I know, like, but there's they're not, not my, that many. It's not like I have the list in front of me. I, I literally have like forty, uh, nearly forty seasons of Survivor to go through. Like I had forgotten that Boston Rob had fainted at one time. So like, okay, well one day we'll find a game that you like. All right, okay. <laughs> So, yes, you are correct, though. It was Russell Swan. So, locked in dread is the dreadlocks. He was the leader. The let out frustration I speak to a being most mm-hmm. divine is Lord, I mean, Jeff. Well, and yes, I, the Angie cookies line. I, I, was, thought, uh, I thought it was a person of color, but I didn't want to be racist when you said the dreadlocks thing. So, I'm like, I who else has fainted on Survivor? But I overthought it. Of course it was. Wow, racist. Bren, you are so woke, unlike the people who are being portrayed in this game. <laughs> All right, moving on. Do okay, we have, do we have a riddle that I can solve? <laughs> this one, okay. This this one. Uh, well, I don't want to say like, oh, you're gonna be able to get this one, okay, and then okay. like you don't. All right, like, okay, but the, okay, you know who this person is. Like, <laughs> I a thousand percent know that you know who we're gonna t- like this person. Okay. So, with the colors of the wind, I I'll tell my story, and colorful lanes are my territory. From the horse's mouth. I am a free thinker, but I'm always defeated, hook, line, and sinker. Who am I? Ooh, I know. This one's a little bit more complicated. <laughs> some, well, I'm thinking from the horse's mouth, so it has something to do with a horse. Okay, well, Mike, we'll work together. All right. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, you can work together. This is not a competition. Know, so we right? have, we like, have, some of we these are going to be hard. Lanes of color. Lanes of color. What does that mean? Lanes of color. Does it mean some sort of ra- there's no horse racers that I've ever been on. There's not a there's Sierra Dawn Thomas, but I don't think she ever fainted. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so either. Um, what, 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 so re- re- read the rest let of the riddle. Re- yeah, read let me reread it. OK, with the colors of the wind, I'll tell my story and colorful lanes are my territory. Lanes. Lanes is key. Okay. From the horse's mouth, I am a free thinker, but I'm always defeated. Hook, line, and sinker. The line and sinker makes me think there's something with fishing. What? Uh-huh. Like some sort of fisherman. Did did Rupert? Uh, I don't think Rupert ever fainted. Uh, oh, actually, faint. I don't know because now now I'm thinking colors of the wind, and I'm thinking is this some sort of Native American influence? But I don't think that's the case. Again, why you gotta be racist, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I listen. I, it's the Disney eyes. I'm just looking at yeah, the Disney eyes fair, with here in Colors fair. of the Wind. Yeah, I so. can get it. Like all I can remember about the Colors of the Wind is the Whoopi Goldberg joke at the Oscars. Like uh, I know the color of my wind. <laughs> <laughs> is it purple? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, okay. Well, now Mike, I'm just thinking okay. about Whoopi Goldberg instead of Survivor contestants. <laughs> okay, I can give you a hint. Yes, this is a I person need, we, who we need a hint. played multiple times. Oh no! So it is a returning player. Mm-hmm. There's a down to about 150 people. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. I, I know this is not, but I think we should bank in our heads that Caleb Reynolds is a player who has fainted before. <laughs> I don't think it's Caleb Reynolds, but I just want to choose that for a later answer. Have any women fainted on Survivor? Or is it all the dudes? Are no, the I dudes? Think like, I think women have fainted before on Survivor. Uh, well, obviously we had one this episode. For heaven's sake, Lauren. Uh, I did not write one for Lauren, oh, so just okay. so you guys know. 
I can't. I'm. This is terrible podcasting. I like. I, I should have been given a list of fainting people ahead of time. That's what. That's where you missed the mark on this one. You, you overestimated my abilities. <laughs> All right. Well, let's lock it in. Whoopi Goldberg. Final answer. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg. No. So I will explain this. Okay. So with the colors of the wind, I'll tell my story. So paint with the colors of the wind. So they like to paint. Colorful lanes are my territory. So that was actually. Um. I think it was Scott on Twist who talked about like. Oh, challenges are just like people running in colorful lanes. Oh. Um, it's like a question for friends. So is it, is it good Joe? at challenges. Yes, it is Joe from the horse's mouth. That's the game changer fan favorite Sierra Don Thomas reference. And then he's a good uh, fisher. So I thought you guys were going to like list the people that have fainted on Survivor. And I feel like Joe is the first person that comes to mind when you think about like people who have fainted. So that one was. I, what did he faint? He fainted during Survivor Cambodia. Remember when he when the big old totem almost knocked him on the head? Oh, yeah. <laughs> After he Uh-oh. kissed his dad? <laughs> yes. Uh-oh. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Like, uh, uh, like, I, have, like I, I guarantee you there are people who are listening to this podcast right now who are like, Brent, I understand you. Like, <laughs> they don't know the yeah, answers yeah, yeah. either. Look, it's, yeah, it's tough. I'll, like, yes. I'll give you that. Okay. All right. Well, we, we have a few more. Let's, like, let's power through them because I wrote these. God damn it. I'm going to read them. Yes. Okay. God, uh, we will more, more, more cowbell. <laughs> okay. All right. Next one. I'm a Maradonial knight who's Jesus. never, okay, y'all, <laughs> who's never lame. My lack of spark burnt up my game. Fig Newton cookies. I'll take anything but. In fact, I much prefer my case of nuts. This one's hard. Like, I will straight up say that. This okay, so lose... Each line is a clue. So, like, you can, like, break down each one. Okay, so... Help. Yeah, so start with the first line again. First stanza. Okay, I'm a, okay, I'm a Maradonial knight who's never lame. Okay. I'm gonna look up what Maradonial <laughs> Thank you as well. I had no idea what the hell that meant. Uh, she, so he's a knight. Uh, he's a sir, perhaps? Let's see. Uh, Maradonial means southern. Southern. So he's a southern gentleman. Okay. Um, okay. N- line okay. two, please. My lack of spark burnt up my game. This is like a big one. So he couldn't so, light a fire. Couldn't, mm-hmm. yeah, or he missed, or he lost a fire challenge, maybe. See that? Uh-huh. See that? Yeah, that's what makes me think. Yeah. Yes. Couldn't, couldn't light a fire. All right. Line okay, three. Good. Big Newton cookies. I'll take anything but. Uh. Okay. <laughs> is the key word here. <laughs> Not the cookies part. This is so stupid. Wait, but is the key word? <laughs> no, no, no. Newton is the key word here. Newton. Okay, so a southern okay. gentleman couldn't light a fire. Newton. <laughs> so dumb. Okay, and then in fact, I'd much prefer my case of nuts. Ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, tell me the answer so okay. I can say it. So I can say it. Is it is it Bobby John? <laughs> Brent, you want to say it? Is it Bobby John? Yes, Brent, <laughs> that is correct. Oh my gosh, because Bobby John was at a rival with ja- rivalry with Jamie Newton. So oh <laughs> my god, that is correct. like the deepest of deep pulls. I know, I know, it's so dumb. Oh my god, I live for it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. and he, and also, he lost the fire challenge in Survivor Palau. He is a southern yes. gentleman. Even he goes yes. ape shit sometimes. It all that was really yes. that was really well done, Liana. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes. two more. Let's power through it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this, okay, this one's just freaking nerdy. Okay, my body is more like a diamond and not calcite. I was the last of my tribe going down with a fight. 
If I were to return, that would be wild. I am not in need of further warmth, child. Who am I? I think I know what it is. Uh, But Brent, do you have any thoughts? (laughs) Well, like the last time I tried would be La Grossa, but I I didn't hear the last part. Well, can we read the last two lines again? Yeah. If I were to return, that would be wild. I am not in need of further warmth, child. Oh, I'm no good at this. Mike, who is it? <laughs> uh, that's going to be Miss Lovely Sydney from Survivor Co. Wrong. Oh, yes. yes. And she is a crime that she hasn't been brought back probes. What I the know, hell? Well, I, I think I specifically try, I, after Co. Wrong, she's like, I need Survivor as much as I need heat. Alluding to the line that Liana yeah. just referenced. We don't need no more heat, baby. <laughs> I am not in need of further warmth, child. <laughs> it's a very like Calport edition of famous Survivor lines. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. She definitely needs to come back. I like totally forgotten that she had fainted. But uh, anyway, in my me too brainstorming thing. Okay, one more. I believe in you guys. Okay, I crushed the sugar and fought for the spice. I made it both times, three days thrice. <laughs> I thrived on a show with a hammer and sickle, but without my incendiary squad, I was always in a pickle. Mm. Who am I? Mm-hmm. 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 So, uh, I mean, okay, so, th- so this person's only made it three days, both times on Survivor? Three days thrice. Oh, thrice. <laughs> three times. So th- this person's only made it three days, three times? I made it both times, three days thrice. Oh, so nine days. So, 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 oh, yeah. God. Okay, so twice, so twice they've made it nine days, Mike. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Correct? That's so twice, correct. twice they were the third boot, is what she's saying. So, yes. the, you know, yeah, about. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, well, hey, at least I got that part right. <laughs> yeah, that was a good, that was, like, that was a hard one. Um,. I don't know uh, who is uh, who fits this bill. Ren, I think we should be uh, reaching back into the bank that I invested in a few answers back for this one. Oh, okay. Sorry. Caleb did? Really? I, I thought he made it further his second time. No? Nope. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he got voted off by the Game Changers cast. Uh, shit. Yeah. Okay, so it's Caleb Reynolds. Yes! Congratulations! <laughs> yes, it was Caleb Reynolds. Yeah, the uh, I crushed the sugar it was a Candy Crush reference. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's way yeah. beyond me. Sorry, I had no idea what the fuck that was. Yeah. Well, and he it was the Spice Reward Challenge that he went yeah, out. Yeah, I don't remember like, that either. They were competing. I I couldn't tell you. I yeah okay. Oh, <laughs> and my... then, but without my incendiary squad was like the bomb, bomb squad. squad. Yeah, yeah, that that, that <laughs> part I should have gotten. That that part oh. I. I I, yeah, I was... and then always in a pickle. Like, he hated pickles. <laughs> yes. If only he could have found a rhyme for Judy Chop, that would have helped a little bit. I really tried. I was like, thesaurus Judy Chop. <laughs> nope, not afraid. <laughs> oh, my God. Liana, I have to give it up to you. Those were incredible. Those were really good. It was my ignorance that was really dragging you down, as usual, Liana. <laughs> I know I'm used to it. No, uh, no, that was a lot of fun. You guys were good sports about this because, yeah, like these were pretty crazy. Um, I did I tell guess- my family because they already think I'm totally weird. Why uh-huh. not? Like continued further that idea. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm writing riddles about people who, you know, fainted on Survivor. And so my stepdad came up with one. Um, what has two legs, a block and falls at the speed of gravity? Lauren? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lauren. Oh, I love that. That was. 
very i don't know i don't know why this one i mean i guess the the caleb sending one was pretty bad too but i think compared to maybe some of the others that you talked about maybe it's because the camera caught it almost in real time her fainting but that it looks super scary when it happened it she did felt, I, I think it was abby who talked about it she was so beautiful when she fell though <laughs> so graceful yeah it, it was, was so crazy i couldn't believe it that she like knew she was going to faint like like she said five seconds before she fainted oh i'm going to faint like I, i'm like yeah usually you don't know you're going to faint but i get but it, but on the other hand she fell straight on her head so <laughs> I, I like probes he was like oh my god like i've never seen him react like that before uh by the way mike i was laughing at the fact that on caleb reynolds you were like uh we should bank this one and then like you know 10 minutes later you're like um brent i think we should go back to what i banked earlier like i your, I think your yeah, frustration with me bank, was so evident brent let's go check out our investments at the bank <laughs> um so i okay so as someone who so like i have low blood pressure so like i faint not all the time but i have fainted multiple times in my life like especially after giving blood i always have to lay there for forever anyway you can tell because what happens is essentially your vision goes white and then it goes black and so you have like this few second period where like you know you're gonna faint and you can feel it coming over you so that's when she was like oh i can't see anything that's what was happening. Like you, you lose your vision because essentially like that's one of the first things that goes before you lose consciousness. So then you faint. So, um, but it like happens very quickly. So that's why like, Oh, medical wasn't able to get there quicker or anything like that. She like felt like that. And then, you know, plop fell over. And how much of a badass is she that when she came into consciousness, the first thing she said was, damn it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and then I just had to, my body just had to give out on me. I know. And then Jeff, like, oh, I loved that. That's the sign of a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, the this, this stuff he says may be chintzy sometimes, but I feel like that was the right thing to say to her in that moment because yeah. she was super frustrated. It's like, no, like, you realize how, you know, simultaneously scary yet badass that was for you to mm-hmm. literally push your body to the extremes just for safety in this game. It really yeah, it was. was. Cool. I was actually really bummed that it didn't happen at the final two. Like, I really wanted her to be the final mm-hmm. two rather than the final three, and that somebody could win on her faint. I thought that would have been hilarious if, like, Aurora would have won on her faint. Like, the come question on, Victoria, is, don't you have well, a sense of timing? <laughs> the question is, do you think if that had happened, if it was a, if it was Aurora and Lauren, and Lauren fainted, do you think Aurora would have given immunity to Lauren? Oh hell no! Aurora needed that immunity. <laughs> she was That's feeling true. like she was feeling terrible i also love aurora she's so open about her feelings she's like hey give this to me i was left out of the last vote i feel terrible right now you guys keep saying that i'm a part of it and yet you couldn't include me in all of which was totally correct like i'm so like i know that we made fun of the fact that kellen was always listening to her gut but this is one of the times like when your gut's telling you're telling you you're in danger listen to it all right Mm. Well, speaking of body functions, I suppose, uh, I want to get into my question this week. There was a really fun editing moment. I'm sure you guys noticed this where Kelly Wentworth apparently has a fly suitor where there was a fly that was buzzing around her when she was talking with David. And apparently it followed her into confessional. Did you guys notice this? Yes, I love Mm -hmm. the fact she was fighting the fly. And then in the confessional, there it was again. I'm sure it wasn't the same fly, but I, I like to think it was. So on that note, it got me thinking a bit. And look, I'm not necessarily insinuating that the reason why Kelly Wentworth is attracting flies is because she's smelly. But 
First, it rhymes, Smelly Kelly, so it has some nice assonance there. Secondly, when you're out on the island and natural body odors occur, it had me thinking, do you think overall it's an advantage or disadvantage to be a smelly person on Survivor? Okay, so I spent the last like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever just wondering where is this question going? Because it was like, okay, we're gonna start with bodily function, then we're gonna talk about flies. And I was like, is this about bugs? Like, what is going on? Okay, smelly people on Survivor. So I am someone who gets stung by mosquitoes like crazy. Um, it's genetic, and I think it has to do with my smell. So I think if I were to be an extra smelly person on Survivor, that would not be advantageous, just simply from the bugs perspective. Um, but I don't know. I'd have to think about it in terms of like, oh, the other contestants who are also there. Mm. Well, the reason why I'm thinking about it is because there are pros and cons, you know, because I think if you need an opportunity to be alone, like to go look for an idol without being pursued or to have conversations one-on-ones with people without getting snuck up on, people don't want to naturally approach a smelly person. So I feel like you sort of have your own natural deterrent to do what you want in a seemingly independent game, Brent. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But on the other hand, Survivor's a social game and you're going to need to talk to some people eventually. So although it may be able to help you in terms of like finding an idol, I don't think it's going to help you win Survivor. Mm. Could, hmm. could it be a thing where I don't know you <laughs> promise with the million dollars you'll invest in like deodorant or something to be like so you I'm not going to subject anyone else to the smell that you guys dealt with for 39 days I love the fact that I come on this show like once a season once a year and I'm so like I, I I'm such a naturally angsty person that I take something as so hilariously funny as this person smells and I turn it into a real question like you can't win Survivor that way if you smell <laughs> should we put that as a rule you can't win Survivor if you smell is there evidence against this yeah yes <laughs> we're changing the rule like definitely take it back but I think I think it was like Dalton Ross in uh you know he's talked about that the contestants do get really smelly like I think everybody does. I yeah. think it's just a little bit of an inevitability of like being out there without deodorant. Um, so maybe you just kind of get used to it, you know? Yeah. Like, well, that but- is true because you know, uh, have you ever noticed that, like, for the most part, whenever you have gas, it's not a big deal, but when other people have gas, it smells totally terrible. That is the thing that is a natural part of your body where your body adapts to your smell because of the fact that it. If if it if your body couldn't adapt to your natural odor, you would literally be overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your body naturally adapts. That's why other people's gas smells terrible, and yet your own kind of is like, uh, whatever. You know, like it's not great, but it's like it's not gonna like make you hold your nose. I think the same thing is true on the island where you get your your body like realizes, okay, all of these different smells are assaulting my sense of smell at any given moment i really need to quickly adapt them i think by like the second week or so you're not even thinking about them anymore mm. Mm. do you think like, liana that- you know about this right like the you're you're uh I, well, I apologize what is your degree exactly it's you have an md but you're in ron clark no, studies i have a, I have a, yeah, PhD? I have a phd in ron PhD. clark studies yeah i have a phd in biomedical engineering That's so right. like there's a, a lot okay. of like medical stuff yeah i mean it's essentially it's the same thing where like when your cells are constantly uh subjected to the same stimuli they get used to it it's the reason why you don't see your nose like in the middle of your face like what? because your eyes are used to sit yeah like in our vision when we look forward like you don't 
see your nose. I mean, you can focus on your nose and you can look at it, but when you're just normally looking forward, like you don't see your nose yeah. because it's it's always there. Right. You So you're you're the cells that are the light receptors in your eye essentially are used to it. Anyway, yes. The point is is that that is yeah, like a real thing that you can get used to it. It's essentially like this adaptability like response. So, yeah, that's like to- totally legit. I love hearing about that. And I love the little analogy with the uh the nose because uh, of course I would go to farts and you would go to nose. <laughs> You both are making me trip so hard right now. Talking about all this stuff, I'm look. I'm like, I have never seen my nose before. <laughs> Mike is like, do I even have a nose? Have people just been telling me I have a nose when I really don't have one? This is yeah, like a little bit like the kids that don't have object permanence in this moment. Like Mike is totally freaked out. Like, what uh, is going on? This is what I get for throwing out such a weird question. I get weird answers back, so I don't know what I expected. To be quite honest. It's so funny. But that's, I mean, like, Brent, back to your point about the fact that something so silly can actually, like, might make a difference. I would 100% believe it, right? I mean, like, we're human beings. And I think, yeah, of course, you want to say, like, best gameplay, blah, 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 whatever. But I would vote someone out if they smelled really bad. Like, I would not be opposed to that. So I could totally see that being a reason why you would get rid of someone in any reality show. Do you think that the most outdoorsy people on Survivor can, like, fashion nose plugs out of stuff lying around camp? And would you want to put that on your nose to be able to, you know, uh, cloud out the smells of your competitors? Like earplugs, but for your nose? Yeah. Nose plugs. I don't know if you, if you <laughs> stuck, like, two twigs up there. Ow. <laughs> That's true. Maybe it's not worth it. Maybe leaves. <laughs> I don't know what would like do the job. But I mean, they're also sleeping right next to each other, you know, in the shelter. Like that would be overwhelming if you had to sleep next to someone who smelled. Well, also, if you if you really smelled and you didn't want people going near, if you really want to commit sabotage and say like, OK, you're not going to go near the rice because I'm going to rub it all over myself and then put it back in the canister. No one wants to eat smelly rice. Ew, that reminds me when uh, Jacob put the rice in his sock. Like, yeah. it's that kind of, like, yeah, similar he, he approach. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, exactly. It also would make if you had, you know, let's say the spy shack going on, if someone could smell you from afar, you'd be like, uh, uh, Mike's nearby. Yeah, the smell shack is not nearly as successful. Exactly. Uh, oh, boy. Well, let, let's move on from all that, and let's get into the final part of each and every week here on the BNB, the question of the week. Last week's question of the week, in honor of Devins and David, make your own two-part idol. And I got to say, before we even get into this, I love what transpired here to go back to the Rick stuff, because this is the optimal outcome for this two-part idol thing. I do love this idea of like a shared idol where they, they can't work independently. They have to work together. And to have these two people, at first glance, people were like, oh yeah, he's just going to give it to his closest ally. They'll bring it together whenever they need it. But now it's gotten to a point where next episode, they're going to have a joint custody battle over the idol. I think it's so much fun. I hope Survivor does more of these instances in the future where maybe two people on opposite alliances end up with the half idol and they need to figure out essentially, do we work together or are we doing mutually assured destruction where nobody gets the idol? I think it's a really fun idea overall. Yeah, and I think it also then goes back to, uh, like, way back at the beginning of the show, we talked about the fact that, you know, Devins was so adamant about, you know, like, having his strong opinions with David. And it's like, this is the man that has the other half of the idol, you know? Like, just be nice to him so you can really try to get that back. But David really putting his foot down saying no was pretty interesting. That is pretty interesting. I like Rick saying, well, I thought you were just going to give it back to me. And David's like, nah, I think I'd like to hang on to it right now. (laughs) He's like, bitch, no. No, no, no. I'm not giving this back to you. I 
I was really stung by that. I really was. I do was, we think that that's a good move? I do, because at least he knows, like, as, I mean, as long as they're separated, the idols are powerless. Like, there's yeah. no power in half an idol. So mm-hmm. at least David knows that that is an idol that is not currently in the game, but is yet in the game at the same time. So no one's looking for it. You know, like it's not an idol that's going to be played and then rehidden. At least you know where it is. Again, the power of the idol, like Boston Rob always says, it's not so much that you can play the idol. It's that you know where it is. You know yeah. how who has mm-hmm. possession of it. So uh, I thought it was a great move on his part to not give it back. He realized instantly that, that he did not have Rick as strong as he did. I don't know why Rick... I mean, like, this is the guy, David, who voted with you, even though he knew, well, or knew likely he was in the minority. He, he wrote, uh, I forget who he voted for, Lauren, I think. Uh, when, when, when Rick went, went home, like, David made sure that he was still loyal to you, Devons. I don't understand why you don't have more confidence in him. He's like, it, it just seemed he's like really lost patience with everybody. Uh, and I think he was just, I, here's the thing. I think what happened was he got off of ex, uh, exile. He got off of edge of extinction. He was really thankful about that, and then he saw the slim possibility that he could be immediately sent back there and have to spend you know two more weeks on that crazy island doing nothing. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to go over here with the comma people. I know they're not going to vote me off right away. I could at least make final nine, final eight, and by then hopefully they'll fracture. But again. His game is all built on the benevolence of other people and hope, and hope is not a strategy. <laughs> Very true to quote the great Gabby Pascuzzi. Yeah, I, I agree that I agree that I think David's move was awesome because he's essentially forcing a stalemate and saying, you know, yeah. if uh, you know, he and he wasn't even asking for the other half of the idol. I mean, it seems next week like they're going to say that there is going to be an idol in the game and maybe they'll negotiate exactly who gets it or who gets it when maybe they'll trade off every other day or something. But I think at the moment, and he was doing it in his really nice David like way where the, one of the reasons why David, I think was so successful the first time is just because he's such an amiable guy. Even when he's doing cutthroat things, he's still David, Wright At the end of the day, this kind of like meek, nice looking guy. And so when, even when Rick says, Hey, can I have the other half of the idol? David's like, um, in, I mean, I was kind of going to keep it if it's okay with you, which again is a very badass move, but delivered in such a nice way that you can't really be mad at him for it. Yeah. I wanted rock. I wanted, I wanted Rick to say, um, it's not okay with me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was like so incredibly ballsy in that moment. And yet at the same time, yeah, the way he delivered it was just like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. I guess I'll hold on to the other half of the idol. Um, I, I mean, I think it totally makes sense. Um, you know, especially because if you're David, you have to think like he can't take any chances. You know, it's not like he's in a power position and yeah. can sort of risk like he, he can't worry about offending other people in that moment. Like just because he's so on the outs, especially someone like Devin's who he's been with the whole time and can like theoretically reconcile with like and they can deal with him moving forward. So I totally get it. I, I thought it was crazy, though. I couldn't believe that he did that. All right. Well, let's get into some of these other ideas for multi-part idols that Maybe if we put these in the hands of Rick and David, something different would happen. First, Jonathan Troyer says, my two-part idol is inspired by Blue Mountain State, a fleshlight, and a dildo. I love Blue Mountain State. <laughs> so one of my favorite quotes is, get this guy a jock strap and a cookie. And I like <laughs> using it out of context, just in like random places. I always get terrible looks, but it's fine, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I can see this. Why was I not involved in one of your riddles? 
I know, right? That's what I should have put in there. <laughs> Flashlight, yeah. Uh, John John says, the idol should be a Lego piece of a person where the bottom half is the legs and the top part is the body and head together. And so when you assemble it, it makes a full idol. You oh. could do this with actually a lot of toys. <laughs> like, go full Voltron, you know? Like, you need six people to make an idol. Do we think Julie has an inherent advantage considering she makes toys? Could she make an idol and, and assemble it on her own? Hmm. Wooden, as long as it's wooden, right? Yeah, yeah. that's very true. But I like, I mean, it obviously have to be a bigger thing because you can very so easily lose Legos. This might be the only idol that gets, like, misplaced in camp. And you, like, step on it and it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know <laughs> someone has an idol when they cry out in pain upon stepping on it. Yeah, well, exactly. if you bury it. <laughs> uh, Edwin says, uh, he says, he submits his own two-part idol on Twitter which is a picture of two cats, I believe, which would be a very interesting form of an idol. The chickens. It should be the two chickens. Exactly. You have to go and like wrangle up your chickens. Oh. Maybe that's why Ty brought Mark, Chicken Mark, to the tribal that one time. He was like, this is my idol. Well, I guess if you... Both idol and idol. If you feed a chicken an idol, is it technically an idol then? Which came first, the idol or the chicken? <laughs> <laughs> These next few I'm going to read off here. A lot of people uh, tended to go the sandwich route. And so we got responses from Elizabeth, Evil Roy, Brian Ferreira, and Parker Schimler. Thank you all for writing in. But they were all basically the same idea of one half is a piece of bread. The other half is like either peanut butter or jelly or the toppings of the bread. Brent, what are you thinking about the idle sandwich idea? Uh, something like that would be interesting. Uh, I, I do, I'm always going to the, I'm like such a gamer because I would go to like, uh, the aspect of this world. It was like three different parts of it, right? To the sandwich or what? Yeah. I mean, they were saying, you know, jelly and peanut butter half and peanut butter could be the other half. And it, could be, yeah, yeah. it could be bread and toppings. It could be basically a two part <laughs> idol involving. Oh, when you put literally together, you a, a sandwich. sandwich. Oh my God. Well, then they know that then they would eat it. Like they it would be the <laughs> gone. Like they would like, I'd like to play my idol, please. I'm, I'm thinking about Valentina. I'd, like, I'd like to keep it on, please. <laughs> and Jeff's like, okay, give it to me. It's like, but it's inside of me. I already ate it. It's like, oh, that, that's not good. <laughs> inside of me um yeah i i think that would be the problem that you would eat it or like it would go bad and that would be gross it could be one of the um you know you have to play it at this tribal kind of idols because then really you only have to deal with the do i save myself or do i eat the sandwich dilemma for like you know 12 six hours (laughs) max uh so maybe it could work then that's the thing though uh you know you could really a person isn't smelling up the island you say you know what i think this guy has an idol because it smells like he has a sandwich in his pocket that's been going bad for the past three days yeah, this guy smells like rotten mustard. <laughs> Ooh, you uh, you said War Dog and Kelly's secret word. That means balloons are going to fall from the sky now. Oh, that's right. Yes, the code word mustard. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw that secret scene, but basically, War Dog and Kelly were talking about eventually getting rid of Lauren and throwing her under the bus. Lauren walks in, and it's super awkward. War Dog and Kelly are on completely different pages as to what they were speaking about. Lauren awkwardly leaves and Wardog says, we need a code word now, so we're going to use mustard. So if we hear mustard from now on without Jeff describing it in a reward challenge, that's basically what we mean. Call, call me mustard master. No. Ah! <laughs> mustard master sounds like some sort of weird, like, clue sex fantasy. Like a Colonel Mustard. Yeah, like Master Mustard. Fantasy. 
Joseph is master mustard. Oh my god, that sounds like you know we talked about like sexy Halloween costumes. That sounds like a knockoff sexy Halloween costume. <laughs> I'm Colonel Mustard. It's Master Mustard. Oh boy. Well, Brent, what did you? What was your idea for a multi-part idol? If you have one. Oh, I don't know. I always like uh, the thing with uh, you know Indiana Jones or something like interesting where you have to like look for the clues and like maybe it's like a super powered idol and I know the fans don't like super powered idol but I would really like it if there were like multiple clues rather than multiple parts of the idol um the thing with uh, David and Devons is I like you can even do something where they eventually decide you know okay we're going to you know do rock paper scissors for this but if you like like you could you could secretly be thinking to yourself, if I lose the rock, paper, scissors, I'm still not gonna give him the half the item. I mean, you can lie in survivors, so I don't know that there's any real way to come to a decision on this that's okay with both parties. Um, and it's really frustrating, although production must be loving it. Uh insofar as multi-part aisles go, I like the editing of it all and the interesting like story dynamics of it but i don't know it in practice that it's going to mean that much and at, at the end of the day production wants the idols to mean something so a multi-part idol i feel like is the wrong way to go a multi-part clue to get to the idol i feel like is a better way to go hmm. um i'm excited for the time when people start making fake half idols yeah. <laughs> to like share with other people to essentially use it as like look this is like we have we have the two halves of the idol we come together but i have to give it to someone <laughs> like to build bonds with someone well that's so, that's sort of like what happened with lauren rimmer for a second right like if it wasn't true that she had to have the true. string and the shell she could have just given the shell to dr mike and said this is half of an immunity idol do whatever you want with it yeah oh that was so ugly yeah um okay so for my answer my first like real answer was like oh it'd be cool to do the flint and then the striker because they go together and then my stupid <laughs> my stupid answer because i was i had a hard time with this i was just trying to brainstorm and i was like a leaf you cut a leaf in half you each get half of a leaf <laughs> take a grain of rice one grain of rice cut it in half you each get a grain of oh my, rice that's gonna be harder to lose the, <laughs> easier to use, lose the than lego. A lego yeah i know so i don't have a good answer i was also thinking if it's like sort of a horcrux like type situation like what if it's a person how crazy would that be like this person is my idol you like go over to the jury and be like yeah i gotta grab ream i'm playing ream as my idol tonight (laughs) so my idea was a three-part idol uh based on the game bop it where there'd be three sections bop it twist it and pull it and you have to put it all together and then like once you hit it it'll be jeff's pro's voice saying like this is a hidden immunity idol Oh, okay. So it's a toy that you assemble. Yeah, and exactly. then so it's sort of along that like lines of the Voltron the... thing. But yeah, you have like the yeah. big button, and then you have the little twisty thing, and you have the the big blue pulley thing, and we have to put screw it all together, and then you can make that full idol. Plus, it's a fun game to play when you get bored at camp. Aren't there four on Bop It? Like well, why three? So there were three, and then they they went up to five with uh, Flick It and Twist It as well. <laughs> <laughs> God. It's a very Blue nice. Mountain State type of uh, up- upgrade yeah. for this Bob and Rue. So Nailed it. Next week's question of the week. David gave away the address for Edge of Extinction as 4444 Edge of Extinction Drive. We are going to do our own Google mapping next time here on the B&B. I want you all out there to create your own address for either a survivor location. It can be even the residence of a survivor person 
or a survivor moment. Do whatever you want to do. For example, you could do like 23 Boulevard of Broken Dreams from Survivor Fiji. It has plenty of room for parking from all those cars you took from other people. Uh, so feel free to <laughs> delve into Survivor history to make your own addresses. We'll talk all about that all next week with our next guest, Shannon Gates. We'll be coming back to Yay! the B&B to talk through episode nine, which apparently looks like it's going to be absolutely bananas. Do we have any predictions as to what we think is going to happen be- based on the way the jury is reacting to it? I mean, um, well, this, go ahead. This is like, well, this is like the first time, you know, our villain Ron Clark is suffering adversity. So I imagine there's going to be some craziness coming from him for sure. But Bran, I don't know what you think. Well, I mean, obviously, whatever's going on is very visual. Uh, so because you see Aubrey and the rest of the jury. And by the way, I'm still stunned by the fact that we've not really talked about the fact that freaking Reem is on the jury. Like <laughs> she's never even met half of the cast. And yet she's going to have a vote for a million dollars. OK, fine. Uh, but nevertheless, it's OK because it's Reem. So I'm OK with it. Uh, oh, uh, as far as what's happening here, I feel like like, OK, Wentworth has an idol. Lauren has an idol. David and Devin's uh, have a shared idol. And also the merge idol has not been found. And usually there's an idol in the merge. I mean, I know you could maybe make an argument that that's really what Devin's idol is, but that was specifically assigned to him and placed in his bag because he got his bay back from extinction. So, yeah, Edge of Extinction. I, mean, I, keep, I keep wanting to say exile for some reason. So I have to think that maybe there's an idol that maybe Ron finds an idol or something. Maybe somebody else finds an idol. Um, and there's a fourth idol in the game and they all end up coming out. Uh, I think that's probably the only thing that could cause the jury to visually react like that is some sort of like immunity train where everybody keeps getting up. So I do have a feeling that all of the idols will be played at the end of Tribal Council. Oh no, advantage get in 2.0. <laughs> well, there's there's more people in the game luckily this time. True. So that's good. I have a bold prediction. I think we're getting another rock draw next episode. Because Aurora, there's 11 people left, but Aurora has an extra vote which also continues through the revote in a tie cuz Aubrey that text made the edit. Make me feel like there's some sort of a conglomeration where that's a good point. May, maybe those idols come out like maybe it ends up being a zero to zero vote at first and then a tie gets forced. But I feel like it's going to be a, a six to five, which becomes a six to six. And I think we get a rock draw with 11 people. And when the reveal happens, that's when Aubrey and the rest of the jury go crazy. I might be completely wrong, but that's what I'm thinking at the moment. Okay, so that would be who would be the six and six? Well, I guess five and six, right? So you would have Aurora probably with like Kel. You think the Kelly War Dog Lauren? No, group? no, 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 no. I think it's a. I think I think. Well, we know that Ke- that Victoria, Gavin, and um, Julia, Julia are together. They could join up with the the remaining parts of Kama, Ju- Julie, and Ron. That would be five people, and then maybe Aurora. But then the, that would put the number on the wrong side, though. So it, Aurora, it really depends. Aurora yeah, I don't know if you guys have minority. seen the promo. It's it seems like everyone is essentially scattered to the winds and saying. Okay. Like I'll I'll vote for whoever, which again makes me feel like it might be a rock draw with people saying. Well, we like, know I, one I, I thing: wanna... we know that Rick's not going to vote with Kelly, so that's that's one thing we know. 
and war dog freaking yes. idiots. yeah he's not freaking gonna you know, he does he's not gonna war dog them so we shall mm-hmm. see that's that's the flag that i'm planting right now that joe has painted so nicely so we'll see next week i'm sure we'll break it all down uh with shannon gates as well I, all the i insanity. think i got it no i don't know i, I can't make it I, I was i'm trying to make the numbers work and i can't make it like basically we're gonna have to see like i feel like rick and and, and devon's may not even be together i keep putting well keep rick and devon's to- are together because they're the same person <laughs> <laughs> uh, David and Devons might not even be together, even though in my mind I keep wanting to put them together. They may not actually be together. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially the fact that even at tribal, right? I mean, Rick was yeah. still very outspoken about the fact that you know he's not going to try. Rick, he's such, Rick is such a tattletale too, because he's like, it wasn't me, <laughs> wasn't me. Like I, he, like I, I want him to know that I didn't betray him. Like, oh, shut up, dude. No one cares. This tribal is going to be so crazy. He's a tattletale to the parents. He's going to be so crazy that that Rick's going to divide into two identities, a la Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, of Rick and Devons, and they're going to force a tie. That's what's going to happen. Exactly, Uh, Mike. It's not Aurora's extra vote. It's (laughs) Rick Devons splits into two people and then votes twice. That's basically what happened. Like, we saw, like, the good player from the last few episodes, and then all of a sudden this episode we saw the bad player. Like, uh, people on Twitter said, Brent, you're you're probably going to be really frustrated by Devons, but also you'll really identify with him because it's very much how, like, you would probably play. Are you freaking crazy? I would never play like him. Oh my god. You would. You're so emotional. Oh my god. emotional but i can at least take a step back okay brent you're being emotional like come on like like you need to work with these people that you hate but then you can betray them later on like i would know that i need to set that aside for a second like i would save it for the confession i would never just ask like the comma six like come on that's yeah so brent would be like aubrey he'd take a step back and he'd look at the stairs (laughs) and say i can reach into that hole because there's something glorious in that hole that was very Sounds good like of her. her. Yeah, she's good at riddles. So you should have Aubrey on the show. <laughs> I know. She could solve all of the riddles. Yes. Well, Brent, it was a true pleasure to talk through these riddles and the fashion choices of contestants, get your perspective on everything. I know you were super fired up in this episode, and we always love your enthusiasm for all things good and bad on Survivor. How can people follow you on social media? And for th- I know you're covering Big Brother Canada 7 in full. For people who have not been following along, uh, do you recommend it? What, what are your thoughts on Big Brother Canada 7, unspoiled, uh, for those that are, have not watched yet? I am uh, not living for this season. I'm a little frustrated with it. I keep thinking that the, the dam is going to break. It has to break. I think that today is probably going to be the day where we find out. In fact, if it hasn't already, I haven't looked at spoilers while I've been uh, uh, podcasting with you guys. But uh, suffice it to say that I think that there are some things that could happen today that could really alter the course of the season. Uh, somebody, I think, is about to make a very bad move. Uh, I think that the, the, the show cast people who are not fans of the show they're not hardcore fans and so they don't realize that they're being manipulated by other people so it is having emanations of the brigade from uh, seasons past of big brother usa that's how it feels right now um and they've gotten even further together than the brigade did uh, all four of those boys are still in the game the pretty boys i'm talking about for those of you who haven't watched big brother canada you can find me at one lucky gay that's one spelled out o-n-e on twitter snapchat instagram basically any part of social media i have uh, one lucky gay locked down and uh also uh if you want to join big brother canada and follow the coverage i think it's a good time right now um the people that are still in the game are the better players to be sure but the problem is that the better players are not necessarily rootable, and that's where some people are having problems. 
So the other thing that Brent covers is RuPaul's Drag Race with Liana and myself every week. Liana, how can people follow you on social media? And I guess to pair with Brent, uh, do you have your own unspoiled thoughts on RuPaul's Drag Race season 11 so far for people who have yet to check out the six episodes that have come so far? Yeah, so first of all, you can find me on social media uh, at Liana Boris, L-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-A-A-S. Um, and in terms of Big Brother, it's been, a, I mean, it's been a fun season. I think that there are people that are rootable both for and against um, on this season. And so I think that that's nice. We're getting to about, I think we had, what was it, the fifth boot of the season? Um, so it's still like relatively early and we're getting to know all the girls. Um, and I think it's been a lot of fun. I think there's a little bit of burnout potentially, you know, I mean, it's been a lot of drag race, but it's definitely not too late if you're interested to hop on board and watch just a really fun, silly colorful like visually appealing show that's what i love about it lots of colorful lanes on rupaul's drag race yes all the colorful <laughs> lanes joey amazing would love it uh, you can always follow me at a mike bloom type so yesterday at the time of recording this surprise surprise the amazing race 31 cast was released which will feature a reality tv mixer of survivor Big Brother and Amazing Race players. I posted a cast preview on Parade.com. Also, Jessica Lee, Dan Heaton, and myself recorded a cast preview all the way back in June 2018 when those casts, when the cast was just a rumor. Because wow. we, we wanted to make sure, because wow. I, I believe we recorded it actually right before the race started. We wanted to make sure we got our thoughts down before anything sort of make it, made its way out into the social media stream. So I'll be completely honest, I remember maybe 3% of what was said. A lot has changed in the 10 months since, so I'm excited to hear what I said, let alone uh, to hear what you guys think of it. But it should be super exciting. Rob, Jessica, and myself will be back uh, starting on the 17th or starting a couple days after the 17th. We'll be doing weekly recaps of that. I'll be doing exit interviews as well. I'm just intrigued as we finish things off here to get thoughts from the two of you now that it's finally official. As lifelong CBS reality fans, what are your guys' thoughts about the people they picked are just the general concept of this Survivor versus Big Brother versus Amazing Race season. I love it. I, Liana, I just love it. I'm so excited. And the people they picked, um, like with Janelle and Brittany and uh, Corinne and Eliza, like these are things like out of a, a fanboy's wet dream. I mean, like these are things like I never actually thought would happen. I love that we live in a world in social media where things that we dream can happen actually do happen <laughs> sometimes. Like it's not like, you know, 20 years ago where like nobody listened to us and the executives just do their own thing. So I was really psyched uh, to hear this. That and of course there are a couple clunkers. I mean, why do we need to see Laura Boneham again? Seriously, she's been on on on, on, on television twice now. Seriously, we have to see her again. Fine, uh, I guess. But that's like to me, that's like the medicine you have to take in order to get the good stuff. So I'm really psyched about that. Uh, and also the fact that uh, survivors Brett and Chris are on uh, with their interesting gay straight uh broy type mance i think that could be really fun too i do uh not enjoy brett as much as other people he's a really cool guy but you know i had my fill of him no pun intended uh but uh, chris on the other hand i find really intriguing so i'm but i'm intrigued to see how their relationship goes on the race and if they're in it for the long haul because they certainly they look to be a potent team 
Yeah, I, this I, I'm actually I'm really excited. I know that there's a lot of like, oh, returning players, blah, blah, blah. But I think for the Amazing Grace, like this is getting me pretty excited, especially seeing Survivor and Big Brother contestants um, on the season. Like, I'm so excited for Janelle and Brittany. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I am dying in excitement just for this. I don't even care. I mean, obviously, I want them to, you know, go the entire way. But just to see them back on TV, like really makes me excited. And um, Tyler Oakley is going to be back also, uh, you know, did a little bit on Drag Race for the yes. Makeover Challenge. Now he's back. Uh, Team Fun, like I, you know, like you said, Chris and Brett, like Corinne and Eliza. Like, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And the fact that it's taking the uh, aforementioned million dollar mile slot. Um Although Wednesdays are becoming packed with TV, uh, but yeah. that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Yes, and good for the show too. I mean, or maybe it's bad for Million Dollar Mile. Like I don't well, know. I mean, which it's, is it's which, pretty but. bad for Million Dollar Mile, considering that they got moved to the Saturday night uh, t- death Ooh. slot. But yeah, I mean, I, I talked about this. That's the one thing I do remember from the podcast is I said that you know, 2005 Mike Bloom would be so excited to hear that 15 years down the line he'd be able to see Janelle, Rupert, and Colin and Christie competing against each other on one season and. This is just, this is every, this is at least my CBS reality dream come true. It's going to be. It really is. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I forgot about Colin and Christie. Like, I mean, who the frick would have brought them back? Like, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that they're back. I am living for it. But I mean, because like, they are like, like Amazing Race royalty. They're like people like from like the early days of amazing race that you would never ever thought would be on anybody's radar to bring back and they did it and i'm so excited about it so mike i totally am with you on this like yeah there are a couple clunkers but they got most of this cast really right yeah and it's going to be entertaining no matter what amazing race people usually say it's fun when you bring on regular people but sometimes there are some duds and say what you want to about you know casting choices but these people are all used to making good tv in some way shape or form Put them all together. That's going to be a great sandwich to dig into. And hopefully it won't stink too much when we leave it out in the sun for a few weeks. But Tilly on his point, it's coming at nine o'clock right after Survivor for the for the foreseeable future. So if you're a big challenge and Big Brother Canada fan as well, that is that is a jam packed night of television. Wednesdays uh, for the next little while are going to be so much fun, but almost so nerve wracking at the same time. But it's a great type of anxiety. It's a lot, but I'm here for it. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the BNB. If you have your answers to the question of the week or any game suggestions for us, please reach out to us using hashtag RHAPBNB on Twitter. You can email RHAPBNB at gmail.com. Post it on Rob has a website, Facebook, Reddit. We have all our eyes out there in the smell shack, taking it all in. Thank you both. So much for coming on, especially you, Brent. Thank you for taking out your time out of your busy feed watching schedule to come uh, talk with us. And we'll be back very shortly to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race as well. We'll be back next week with Shannon Gates to break down episode nine of Survivor Edge of Extinction. Special thanks to our head writer, Paul Oslison, Wolf from America for our theme song, Scott and St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll check you out. At your next day. Mike and Liana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Liana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I